Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. then back by no one's demand but our own and from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios in sunny scenic Julio Jones now resides in Nashville Tennessee it is the award-winning 615 sessions podcast know that it is powered by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford and it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com Julio what more can I say? The Tennessee Titans have acquired the seven-time Pro Bowl wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons, a second-rounder in 2022, and a 2023 fourth is all that it cost, plus his salary. So what we're going to do is we're going to have the boys from football and other F-words on to have a little bit of a meeting of, a mo- meeting of the minds, your Music City mailbag questions as well, a lot to get into, but of course... You know that this podcast is brought to you by Two Rivers Ford. Now, you've heard me talk about my friends at Two Rivers Ford and how they're the best place to buy a new car. But if you're in the market for a used or pre-owned vehicle, they can do that for you as well. They've been around for almost 40 years so that you know when you buy a pre-owned vehicle, you're buying it from a dealership that has been around a long time. That matters because it means that they've been in business doing good business and have accumulated their excellent reputation as a result. You get to deal with the only non-commissioned salespeople in Middle Tennessee. You can go kick all the tires and test drive as many vehicles as you want. They get paid whether you buy a car or not. The salespeople at Two Rivers Ford have one job, and that's to help you find the right vehicle for your lifestyle and your budget. I'm excited to tell you about the new Ford Blue Advantage program, Ford Blue Advantage means their pre-owned vehicles have been fully inspected, come with a warranty, and have 24-7 roadside assistance, just for that extra peace of mind. So if you're looking for a used car, truck, or SUV, go see my friends at Two Rivers Ford. They're in Mount Juliet, just seven miles east of the airport. They'll hook you up with the right vehicle for you, or go through the entire car purchasing process online at tworiversford.com. Two Rivers Ford. Powered by Ford, driven by people. I don't know if they can sell me a new voice because this one's running out of gas. But in the meantime, let's get to Lebowski, Zach Lyons, and of course, Mike Miracles. Okay, so the last time that we had the boys from the Football and Other F-Words podcast on collectively, even though Mike's not here yet, but that's okay, we still love him, it was after Derrick Henry signed a contract extension on Zach Lyon's birthday, and he got to open the podcast, and he got to tell me to eat it. And now another Alabama boy has come home. The Titans have signed Julio Jones, and Zach looks to be post-portal. Lebowski is here as well. Mike Miracles will join us shortly hello boys how we living doing good how are you it's been a long time since we've been on your show I mean almost a full year <laughs> Lebowski what do you think that we should attribute that to I, I don't know did someone use some sort of foul language or ethnic slur that we need to be aware of that we have not been invited back yet <laughs> and there it is we have ruined the pot this is exactly why we don't get invited back 86 seconds in I'm watching sponsors just rip themselves away from me to Z. No, it's I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's we're here to talk Julio. How can you not be happy? Look at us right now. We're giggly. We have things to talk about. We don't have to bloviate and speculate. Yeah, in June, no less. He did us the service of not making us wait up until the week before the season. 
like Jadavion Clowney. Now, understandably, that was when we needed content for a lack of uh, actual sports to discuss. But the Julio watch has ended. The Tennessee Titans traded a 2022 second round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick for a seven time Pro Bowl, two time first team all pro wide receiver at 32 years of age to play alongside A.J. Brown. It is uh, it's spectacular. It's exciting. Um, Lebowski, I I went to Titans Twitter expecting expect I don't you know I don't know what I was expecting to be honest with you because it is a an unruly and unpredictable place but it seems that the only people not celebrating the Titans acquisition of Julio Jones was everybody else outside of the city of Nashville because everyone everything that I've read everything that I've listened to outside of our local media market is absolutely dumped on this and I can't for the life of me understand why yeah, so I'll, I'll start with Titans fans, and I'll actually start on a negative note. The John, the fire John Robinson crowd, conspicuously very quiet right now, very quiet. I've actually even seen a few of the fire John Robinson ones that are, uh, you know what, Julio Jones thing is great. It's, it's awesome. What a wonderful guy. I love him. But you're exactly right. It's everyone outside of the Titans fan base that is seems to have to battle with the rest of regional and national media about, like, what okay a how are you not paying attention and see that the titans are a legit potential contender with a quarterback that is not ranked in the bottom half of the league like you seem to think and then also there's also a large contingent of and i know you touched on it today of uh, since when did carson wentz become the second coming of christ in the afc south i just don't that's the piece i don't understand but no titans fans are related but everyone outside of the afc south thinks this is like either a bad move for the titans a bad move for atlanta or it just inconsequential i mean it's just kind of ridiculous right i mean this this love affair that i guess guys like uh steven ruiz of usa today and pff uh, i think it was pff underscore eric but all these guys are like the colts are awesome and does this even make them a top 10 team? I mean, I'm looking at it and looking at the list and, you know, the, you got the Browns and the Ravens and blah, 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 blah. Like the Ravens. I mean, can we get, I know that they beat the Titans, but can we give it a rest that it was because of Khalif, a weird Khalif Raymond play call that really just kind of screwed everything over and Art Smith's game planning that suddenly went away from AJ Brown, even though that he was, you know, owning Marlon Humphrey. I mean, the Ravens aren't that great. I mean, on paper and the Julio Jones thing changes everything like it went from this team being maybe in the playoffs to now maybe in the Super Bowl like this. They're, they're Super Bowl contending Tennessee Titans, the your Super Bowl contenders like obviously it's what John Robinson thinks, right? That's why he goes and makes this move. He views it right now as this is a Super Bowl winning team from top to bottom. This team can win the Super Bowl with Julio Jones. I got to make the move. And it's like everybody else is like, oh, well, you know, it's Julio Jones. Like Steven Ruiz of USA Today wrote this article saying uh, basically the headline was something of Julio Jones doesn't really make the Tennessee Titans better than they were last year. But in like the first paragraph of the, of the the whole article, it's like, oh, uh, we I know that Tennessee Titans traded for a top five wide receiver, and Hula Jones is still elite. But then, how does it not make them better? Like that doesn't jive. <laughs> like you're just you're just talking out your ass at some point, just not wanting to give. I don't know if maybe they came to Nashville and got and had hot chicken that they should have gotten like mild and maybe they spent the whole whole weekend in Nashville just shitting their brains out. I don't know. But either way, lay off of Nashville and recognize that the Titans got two legit two legit number 1 wide receivers in AJ Brown and Julio Jones. They had the leading, league leading rusher and a 2000-yard rusher who Ladanian Tomlinson just this week called the next Jim Brown. We could be witnessing a generational running back and the Titans are somehow not better than, than they were last year when they had the worst defense ever. And they had, uh, you know, no Julio Jones. I, um, I just don't get it. Well, you know, I, I don't, 
the, the way that I kind of look at it, because I was talking to a handful of people, uh, my friends that work for, you know, various outlets and, and, uh, and people elsewhere in the media, not in Nashville. And it was just kind of like, yeah, nobody really knows how to talk about them because they don't watch them. And then once Julio Jones gets dropped into the middle of everybody's laps, it's like, okay, how do we, how do we discuss this in a way that we feel like we're comfortable discussing it without completely exposing the fact that nobody watches this football team until such time as they have to watch this football team. And instead it becomes a situation where we're not going to talk about the Titans. We're not going to talk about the team that has been there and winning and uh, winning over the course of the last, what, five years now playoff success, uh, several playoff appearances, several playoff victories, under the current head coach, instead we're going to make it about, you know, this is a 32-year-old receiver that they gave up a second-round pick for. Compensation is what it is, but this is uh, this makes sense or this doesn't make sense for X, Y, and Z. They're going to talk about Julio. They're not going to talk about the Titans because they don't watch the Titans, and this is the problem. It's the it's never-ending squeaky wheel. National media doesn't care about us. Why does the national media do this to us? Because they're not watching your team, and this is the result. I, I don't get how you can be – Someone, some something like PFF, where you do all these stats and analysis, and supposedly you have all these people that watch each individual team and watch every game and break down, and still not know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> like at some point, you, you need to be learning about all 32 NFL teams. I mean, sure, I may not get to watch every you know NFL teams every game every week, right? But I feel comfortable enough that I could talk, and maybe it's because I play a lot of fantasy football and I have way too many fantasy football teams. But I could talk intelligently about every every NFL team, and if I don't know enough about them, I would at least go and do the research. It's like they don't even want to put in the effort to get to know this team when it's probably one of the most exciting teams to talk about now with the addition of Julio Jones, but it still was exciting with AJ Brown and Taylor Lewan. I mean, the personalities that this team has amassed over these last few years. I mean, Derek Henry's coming out of his shell. Ryan Tannehill is, is pretty funny. I mean, like it's a, it's a fun team to talk about and they're a winning team. This isn't a team that was like two and 14 last year. And, is buying, you know, amassing all these players to maybe make it to maybe get a winning season, right? This is a team that has gone to the playoffs now two years in a row, had its first home playoff game, won its division, and it is, um, it went 11 and five. And now this team is somehow not better with the addition of Julio Jones. Like it doesn't make sense. I mean, I just don't get it. Well, and even, Steven Ruiz put it in a tweet to someone who was saying, you're still bullying the Titans for clicks, huh? And he said, whenever you can mine the 28th biggest media market for le- in the league for clicks, you have to do it. I mean, that's it right there. W- what is it that Buck and I love to go off about? Defund the NFC East, right? But no matter how many times we're going to yell and bitch about having to watch the Cowboys on Thursday night football or Sunday night football, they're going to keep doing it because it's America's team and it's the biggest market share and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, that's it. They're here to mine out, outraged Titans fans for clicks, but they're not going to pay attention because at the end of the day, with the 28th largest media market, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's not get caught up in the, uh, in the age old trope of national media doesn't watch my team. Right. Let's, let's talk about the process that gets us to this point where the Titans end up with Julio Jones um, and a sixth round pick from Atlanta for a second and a future fourth. This thing, according to John, has gone back about two weeks. It picked up in significant momentum yesterday, yesterday, well, I guess Saturday uh, from the time that we spoke to him on Sunday. This is being recorded on a Monday, but you're not going to hear until Tuesday. So what the fuck do I know? <laughs> so with, uh, with this whole process, let's go back to Diana Rossini, okay? Because Diana puts out the report initially that the Titans have had conversations with Atlanta, but it's, quote, a long shot for them to be able to get the deal done. And then over the course of two weeks, it becomes significantly less of a long shot each and every day. Basically, it seems that passes. There's new reports coming out from Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk. I talked about it on the radio, how I said they were supremely confident about their ability to be in the Julio Jones sweepstakes because it didn't sound like there were that many other people in the Julio Jones sweepstakes. So going back to Diana, what what do you think, how did you guys kind of look at that report and everything that transpired from there? Because she hasn't backtracked on it. And in still in Albert Breer's reporting today, where he's saying, 
there wasn't a first round pick on the table. She maintains that there was in fact a first round pick on the table. And so I'm looking around trying to figure out where the hell all this is coming from. Well, I, th- I think it's coming probably from the Falcons, which I think you can safely assume uh, that some of that. Now, listen, there was another report between Breer's report and Diana's report. And I want to say that it was Greg Bedard, but I'm not entirely 100% sure that's who it was. But someone else said there was a future first round pick on the. Oh, I think it was Chris Mortensen. It may have been him. I don't know. But someone did say it was a future first round pick. And that's what she said, right? I mean, in her tweet, it says future first round pick. Obviously, you know, some people can get, you know, mix up their words up on ESPN. And she went on ESPN Live and and it said 2022, right? You know, it, it, in all reality, a future first round pick means 2023. And that's what the other reporter that I'm not saying for forgetting his name of. That's what he said. That's where I kind of took her tweet. Now, listen, maybe it was a 2022. Maybe it was a 2023. We really don't know. But I think that it. I think the Falcons probably fed her information and kind of fudged a little bit that it was, they have a first round pick on the table. Now, obviously what Brewer reports is that someone had said that they may give him a first round pick, but it wasn't really concrete or anything, but obviously the Falcons used Diana to get information out there and she did what she's supposed to do, right? Report it. <laughs> like that's what she's got to do. And Let's let's be honest here. This isn't Jason Lockenfora telling everybody that John Bon Jovi is buying the Tennessee Titans. Like, I mean, Diana Rossini has gotten stuff way right more often than she hasn't. And and technically, it you know was she right? Was she wrong? We may not really ever know. But things can change, right? You can be a long shot one day, then all of a sudden you wake up and John Robinson's on a pontoon boat soaking up in the sun, drinking a bush light and saying that, hey, let's call the let's call uh, up old Arthur Blank and let's get this deal done. Let's call a little Terry up and get this deal done. It's it. You know, it could be that easy. Like it doesn't. Trades are not really that hard. And and, you know, to me, things can change constantly. It's the NFL. It, it could change in every job. Things information changes, things evolve. So I, I maybe at the when she reported it, long shot. Yesterday, not no long shot anymore, right? I mean, it was two weeks. It took two weeks to get the deal done. And that could have been, and I agree with Zach on it. It it looks and has the feel of Diana being used as a conduit to float out information and maybe try to increase their value or get some more traffic generating in their. Uh, in their neighborhood of, you know, what we have on the table, what you could compete with. And it seems like it's almost like possibly communicating to Robinson of maybe trying to get him to budge off his position of, look, this is what I got on the table is a second round. And I'm not going, that's you know, it's not, I'm not going any further up from that. Maybe trying to generate a little bit more or getting Robinson to possibly feel the heat. So if that's the case, good on Robinson for holding the poker face. And then, like Zach said, you know, crack it open a can of grizzly, throwing a dip in and get it done on the pontoon boat on, on first priest. But um, it, it feel I can't fault Diana because I feel like she reported what she was told, but it does, it, it kind of has that feel of being leaked out to, you know, from the Falcons being fed to her directly of trying to increase the value of what we would assume the Titans had on the table at the time. Before we before we get too far down a rabbit hole, though, and because I want to I want to talk about Julio and I want to talk about like how you guys feel about the deal itself, but how how does that how does that affect the way that you guys consume sports media? Because I think that's happened to a lot of people. It happened to me during free agency this year. It's happened to a handful of people who are in positions to be able to distribute information. And then ultimately you're getting used in a way that feels dirty and you feel like you've uh, you fucked up and you feel like the and the audience thinks that you're an idiot because you don't know what you're talking about because you reported information that was given to you by a source that you believe to be credible. And it gets out there. Does that I guess how how much more aware are you, Lebowski, of of how things like this are done now that you're in this industry uh, from the standpoint of, by the way, you can check out the podcast, football and other efforts, subscribe, rate and review broadwaysportsmedia.com is where you can read all of the great work that our friends are producing there. They, it, the content is exceptional, well worth your subscription. Uh, the, the point stands to you Lebowski. 
Yeah, that's something we discussed this morning on on Forge, and I appreciate the uh, shout out, which was it it without trying to overinflate our unimportance. I think this is where having good rational opinion and discussion and debate in a forum like this is nice. With with Zach and Mike and I over the last several weeks, we've gotten to some admittedly heated discussions about what our interpretations of diana's reporting or anybody else coming out dropping what kind of the behind the scenes julio picture looked like and i i think it's good to listen to and have those discussions because if you're just a normal fan who's just consuming this you read diana's tweet and you check out and you think oh well the hell with it the the my favorite team is not getting the player i want or they just don't seem they're in or and i can even start to sympathize with the fan that comes out and says Robinson doesn't need to know nobody's doing. I mean, look, the, the reporters are out here saying that their offer isn't even close or maybe they're not even making an offer. I think where it comes from is just it, it, it makes me want to embrace the way we debate each other on this show and our F-Words pod and, and then on your radio show um, and not taking reports for what they are and kind of understanding that reporters get used by organizations to put out information fair or foul that's a conversation for another time but look at multiple pieces of information listen to those that you trust and disseminate your opinion and if we fail you well you may have to find another option (laughs) there's plenty out there yeah i think it comes down to when you read a tweet who does it benefit that should be the first question that pops in your mind who does this tweet benefit obviously doesn't benefit Tennessee Titans have benefited the Atlanta Falcons, right? This report comes out, it benefits them, makes some makes people think that there is something, you know, happening that they have a first round pick. So it's obviously was to benefit benefit them. The the the, the next thing you just got to ask yourself is look at the history of the the person reporting it. Uh, look at how it's written. You just kind of, it's, you almost have to be like a uh, contract lawyer when you read some of these tweets. Like you have to get to the fine print and you have to, you look at all your scenarios, your ins and outs. So ultimately, I think that, I think Diana, you know, obviously is still, should be very respectable and should be, her information should be valid and considered good sourced information going forward i don't think anybody should be discounting her but i mean look at what uh ian rapaport tweeted out about farrell cooper talk calling pumping him up when he signed uh i forgot who he signed with but pumping him up as an all pro pro bowler blah 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 blah. did he sign with the jags did he sign with jacksonville i think that may have been it uh and but they you know people they they're they're paid the reason why these people get information is because they pump up the clients when that stuff happens what Ian Rappaport is writing about Farrell Cooper is really just a long play for it to get more information or better information or quicker information from his agent about a, a bigger player. That's really what it boils down to. It's just, it's just a game and, and it's a fun game to watch. Cause it, like Lebowski said, you know, between all these quotes about Corey Davis and all this stuff, I, mean, I had like this full list of quotes from John Robinson and or anonymous people in the building about Nick Westbrook-Bikine and then their actions and all this stuff. I was convinced that Julio Jones was not coming to the Tennessee Titans. But guess what? I don't care that I'm wrong because Julio Jones came to the Tennessee Titans. Like, it was a win-win situation, right? But, I mean, it just goes to show that John Robinson, just when you think you have him figured out and the way that he does business and the way he moves in the league circles, he just surprises you. I mean, I'm, I'm just, it, it's a total surprise to me. I still can't believe it. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm sure it's a bit of a fever dream. If you're a Titans fan to know that Julio Jones is going to be playing across from AJ Brown and Derek Henry is going to be lined up behind them. And you have a franchise quarterback who is incredibly, uh, as Mike puts it, ruthlessly efficient as the point guard of this offense. Um, so from that standpoint, because the, the Nick Westbrook Akina thing makes me think of Joe Rexrod, who I also believe to have gotten got by somebody trying to pump up Nick Westbrook Akina and the Titans wide receiving core to quell the masses as they try to figure out how the hell they're going to have Julio Jones in the building. That is hilarious to me. I'm glad you brought that up because I'd completely forgotten about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was crazy at the time. I mean, obviously, I mean, they think that he could be wide receiver too, but, you know, someone brought it up on Twitter is uh, at casual Titan fan three, I think is what it was. But he said, 
you know, with everything that the Tennessee Titans said about Corey Davis's production being a byproduct of Derrick Henry, just think what Julio Jones's production is going to look like as a byproduct of Dan, uh, Derrick Henry being in the backfield. Like, it's just, it's insane to think about what Julio Jones is going to potentially do if Corey Davis was only good because of Derrick Henry. <laughs> well, and this is the thing as Mike Miracles joins us. Well, welcome to the podcast, Mike. Thank you for your time. Uh, we were just, yes, to- thank you for allowing me to be late. Yeah. It's a very Will Compton move, right? No, because Mike had to do the radio show today with me too. So he's off the hook. If I, if I needed to, I just dub Mike's answers into this podcast from the radio show. It's the beauty of talking in all the places that I'm talking now, boys, I can just use shit from all over the place and have to work a, degree, a hell of a lot less. Makes my life a lot easier, especially considering I sound like somebody took a uh, cheese grater to my vocal cords <laughs> over the weekend. But we were just discussing the merits of uh, almost wide receiver too, Mike. Nick Westbrook, Akina, and what a lovely, lovely thing that would have been if Joe Rexroad's reporting had been accurate on the matter. Listen, are we sure Julio Jones is going to beat him out? I mean, this is this Don't is ask Colin Cowherd. Westbrook, Akina. Yeah, that we're talking about here. Did you see that special teams tackle he made against the Lions? Come on. I did see the one. You're right. I did see the one. And I saw the two-point conversion he caught in the back of the end zone. And now wide receiver, too. But everything is going to be. Look at Woodside's favorite receiver. Yeah, that's well, and he's he's not a sure thing too because he looks like he looks like a toy next to Deshaun Kaiser, which uh, which I'm sure is going to end up bearing itself out now as we get closer to training camp. So so now that Julio is in the building, Mike is here um, as well, and we've been t- talking about the you know basically the reporting on it, Mike. How how the the story kind of played out from Diana's report on through Florio now in a place where we find ourselves where Julio Jones is now officially a Tennessee Titan. The, Mike and I talked about this on the radio this morning too, but I'd be curious to see what the rest of you guys think. What, what needs to change about the Titans offense now that, now that Julio Jones is a part of this team? Does something need to be taken from Derrick Henry to now account for the fact that you have a perennial all-pro wide receiver when he's right on your roster? I, I don't know that you have to change much, to be honest, because, I mean, when you think about it, Corey Davis was still a very involved part of this offense, and and obviously you want to target Julio Jones more than what you targeted Corey Davis. But ultimately, you see what, what A.J. Brown has been able to do. I mean, he doesn't – even A.J. Brown doesn't get a lot of targets, but when he does get targeted and he does make a catch, you're talking about a guy that for the last two years since entering the league – easily leads all wide receivers in yards per catch. I mean, yards per reception with like 15, I believe it is what it was. It may even be 17. I'd have to look up the tweet. Look but at you just re- making up numbers. Now you're just I'm throwing just shit on numbers. the wall. That's just what I do. <laughs> uh, but it was a Marcus. 17.4. Yeah, His what? 17.4. 17.4. Yeah. They, it was yes, 15 yeah. last year. And so you look at that. Julio Jones is just almost exactly like AJ Brown in terms of style and what they can do when given when given the the ball in their hand. I I don't I don't think you have to change anything because ultimately, okay, if teams start loading up against Derrick Henry, then you you obviously got Julio Jones and or AJ Brown open. And if teams are doing that, then you still just need to you know hand the ball off to Derrick Henry, play action, hand the ball off to Derrick Henry. Recipe for success. It's over. It's done. Super Bowl win. Super Bowl winning formula right there. I just saved Todd Downing a lot of headache. Even Terry Robisky couldn't come in and mess up this offense right now. I mean, it's this is this is such like a Madden roster of offenses that I don't understand how anybody can mess it up. Not even uh, Todd Downing, who apparently is the worst offensive coordinator ever. Now that the Titans have signed Julio Jones. Uh, Julio Jones won't matter because Todd Downing apparently sucks because that's what everybody says. And Julio Jones is washed because all the little butt hurt teams, fans of other teams, they all didn't get their precious baby Julio and the Titans did. And now they're all like, Oh, well, we really wanted Julio, but now that he's not on our team. Oh, he's fucking washed. Oh, oh, cause I'm a Ravens fan shrinking into a corn cob. <laughs> this, this, <laughs> this diatribe came off the tracks. 
And now I don't even know what the hell to say. I mean, I'm going to attempt to answer Buck's question about what would I change on offense as my brain navigates away from Zach's rant, but I, it makes me less worried about the tight end position. I can tell you that. Like, go, I was already mentally preparing myself for Josh Reynolds as wide receiver number two and a huge step off at, at tight end, even though I'm not trying to dismiss Ferks or we're, we're, this is a FERC family podcast for sure on, on F words, but uh, it, it makes me less concerned about the tight end position because I just think that three-headed monster with with Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry is just – it's too appealing, and I think there's too much damage to be done there to be worried about tight ends. Yeah, I mean yeah. – go ahead, Mike. Uh, I, I was going to say that it's – I think you don't have to change the offense a whole lot. It, it is yeah. – it's Corey – like, to me, Julio Jones is – and we talked about this on the radio earlier – He's Corey Davis's physicality and, and ability to win, you know, contested catches mixed with Khalif Raymond's speed. And I know he's 32 years old, but he can still fly. Like this guy can still win vertically. He can win vertically now better than Corey Davis ever could. That just never ended up being part of Corey Davis's game. I, I think he struggled tracking the ball uh, on deep passes. I, I don't think he was a great separator. On, on vertical routes, it, you know, there's there's a little bit of an art to that. And Julio Jones obviously clearly has that. And he talked about, you know, reportedly, I think Jeremy Fowler had it that, you know, part of what he wanted if he goes to a new team was, you know, he wants to he wants to get the deep ball. He wants to be thrown the deep ball. And that is something that I think is begging uh, this Titans offense to, to throw into it more because – Tannehill's good at it. He's been in the top five or six uh, in deep ball accuracy over the last couple of years. He's good at throwing the deep ball. They haven't thrown it much because they haven't had anyone who could consistently win that because you're not playing Cleve Raymond a whole lot of snaps. He was getting, you know, maybe, you know, 20 to 30% snap count rates. That's just not enough to really, you know, efficiently get a whole lot of deep balls down the field. Uh, you're certainly not force feeding Khalif Raymond deep balls as part of your offense. So, um, well, you do, and Julio, then he I falls think, over himself in the Ravens well, playoff game, and everything goes to shit. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and Julio is not falling down on that route, by the way. He's probably housing it, and and Titans are still playing. Um, but uh, <laughs> right now, still on right now, right now the, the the Super Bowl's gone into eighty-seven overtimes, and we're all exhausted. Um, but no, it's, uh, I think, I think Julio is a great fit for the offense. I think the offense is a great fit for Julio. Um, I think it makes all the sense in the world. This is part of why I, th I always thought the Titans, it would have been stupid for them not to be involved with Julio being on the market and being on the market at a price that didn't involve a first round pick. Uh, reverse snake draft. Mike, I'll come back to you. Who's under, who's under more pressure Downing or Bowen? Ooh, uh, I probably downing because I mean, the bar is already high. Right. And now you've kind of taken away any of the excuses of, Oh, well, they lost Corey Davis. Oh, they, you know, sure. They lost John New Smith, you know, and, and they didn't really replace him. Uh, but when you were bringing Julio Jones, you, your excuses are out of the, are out of the window. Like you have the personnel to succeed. The bars are super high. You have to clear it. it there's more pressure on him than Bowen. Now, the defense has to hold up their end of the bargain uh, or Bowen's probably gone, but I think there's more pressure on Downing because Downing's got a, a standard to live up to. Bowen just has to not suck. Lebowski, uh, you're next yeah. in the order, by the way. Oh, well, I apologize. I'm just sitting here like a dumbass deer in the headlights. So I know. I, I can't wait for when I put a graphic on this thing and half of Lebowski's face is cut off again. It's my favorite part of doing the podcast with him because he's just a set of eyes like from the bottom of the screen looking around and staring aimlessly. over a fence. <laughs> I, I, I would love to be contrarian and say it's Bowen. It's not. It's Downing because if you're the guy who wastes an offense with Henry, A.J. Brown, and Julio – you're going to look like an asshole. I mean, this defense just has to get like three more sacks and it's already improved from last year. It just has to stop a couple more passes and get off the field in anything other than three and 36. And they're going to look like winners. Downing doesn't want to be the guy who do waste this offense. It definitely more pressure on the OC. Yeah, it's, it's definitely Downing and, and they, they both hit it. So I'm not going to really go too deep into it, but 
Bowen, it, he doesn't really have any pressure, right? I mean, I, I know he's got some, but all what? he has to do, I listen, mean, he, his all he has to do, on the line. listen, all he has to do is go from the 28th or 29th ranked defense and get to 20. And there's improvement right there. And because, listen, Vrabel has already said it was all the players' fault last year. Like, I mean, give me a break. This guy, Bowen, probably has a really long leash that nobody really wants to talk about because they're drinking buddies. So, like, I, I think the Bowen is, that is probably... a reckless accusation. <laughs> and I want it known that it came out of his mouth on my podcast, <laughs> not my mouth. Listen, they're up at cabins hunting pigeons right now, you know. You know, they're, 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 they better not be. I got mini camp practice on Thursday. And if my ass has (laughs) got to be there, they better be there too. I I just, I think that Downing has obviously the most pressure out of everybody because he also has the, the stench of Oakland Raiders 2017 all over him and he cannot escape it. Even though that there was a lot that happened in that 2017 season that was not in his control. All right. Let let me, let me make the argument for Bowen not having as long a leash as Zach thinks he does because of his, his drinking status. Uh, <laughs> Jim Schwartz, his replacement's already in the building. I mean, yeah. it, it, all it takes is a bad start, and I think Bowen uh, could get yanked right out of that chair. Uh, if, they're, if that defense has given up 28 points per game and we're sitting there in, in week eight, and the the defense is clearly holding them back again, and, and they're you know giving up fifty five percent on third downs. Bowen's out of there. I mean, they they're going to go to Schwartz in a heartbeat. I think. If I'll if be honest, I forgot Jim Schwartz existed. <laughs> so I retract everything I said, other than the fact that they are definitely pigeon hunting or skeet shooting somewhere. Right, like now. Jim Schwartz is Spice Adams behind that tree with that yellow blazer and no shirt, just eyeballing yeah. the shit out of that job. <laughs> I am writing Spice Adams down because I always try to find that that image to use, and I can never find that image. I got Spice Adams. I can't confirm that, in fact, Jim Schwartz is simply hovering around practice, hiding behind trees and peering out at Shane Bowen to see when he can take out his Achilles. It's uh, Hey, aren't you not allowed to talk about third field or two? Oh, shit, I've done it again. Nobody tell Vrabel, otherwise I'm going to get my credential revoked. No, Bowen is uh, the the you two are sheep. Mike uh, Mike said Downing and the rest of you followed. It's one hundred percent Bowen without question. This may you cannot you can, historically bad. The players have said it out loud. They don't ever say that they did anything wrong except for the fact they were they were historically bad last year. Mike has already told all of you. You know, to basically, as I put it so gently to somebody who was accusing me of not watching Preds games live, but Vrabel has told you to sit on a fist and spin at this point as it relates to the defensive coordinator and what exactly he wants to do. And he all but said that the players need to learn how to, you know, communicate on the damn defense because what they're teaching them on defense, Mike believes to be sound, which is exactly the same. Well, it's not the exact same line but it's a variation of the same line that they fed us in Cincinnati was that he knows it's not the coaches because he oversees the coaches. And that's how Mike Vrabel does business. <laughs> I mean, what a disaster that whole defensive staffing situation was. I mean, obviously nobody, even you could tell from Bowen's presser last week that nobody knew who was doing what and what the titles or what the job duties were or who's supposed to be doing this. And, if, if they don't even know, then the players certainly don't know. And they, all they see is Shane Bowen coming in without title, telling them what to do. And I'm sure like the defensive backs, like, are we supposed to listen to this guy? Is this, is this the guy that we listen to? Or who do we, you know, what's going on? And then for my shame on my rifle to, to tell everybody, the, it's a media story made up in their head about, oh, the defensive coordinator titles matter. Well, Shane Bowen just said last week it mattered. It mattered to him for his own sake and clarity. So give me a Mike Vrabel. Oh, that guy. He's got some stones. I love it. I love it. But man, he just, he, he's just a jerk sometimes. He's just Does FanDuel or DraftKings have, uh, have odds on Shane Bowen actually running the analytics department? <laughs> because I kind of feel like that's the next one. Man. We're going to push Vrabel hard enough this year to where he's going to go, oh, well, fine. You need titles. Shane Bowen's running the analytics department. No, it's, it's just going to be like the last time we asked him about Bowen before he promoted Bowen. Stretch runs the numbers. Stretch gives us the analytics. Stretch handles <laughs> the meetings. Stretch deals with the players. It's the same thing over and over again. You guys want to do some mailbag questions? 
Yes. Yes. All right. Let's do that right after I tell the fine folks about DraftKings Sportsbook because Lebowski is full of shit. This is a DraftKings Sportsbook podcast and shame on you for saying anything. Ruining Ruining this this podcast. Not only my favorite and Lebowski's favorite sportsbook, but also America's top rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in sight credits. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code A2ZSports. When you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits, bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits with promo code A2Z sports only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I just realized I've been reading the wrong promo code and I'm going to have to fix that. Be 21 years. The code says behind you, A to Z sports. Bitch. (laughs) Bet to be 20. You're leaving this in, Buck. Don't you re-record this, damn it. Son of a bitch. Be 21 years or older and present in Tennessee to bet wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. Let's do some Music City mailbag questions. We start with JC Thompson, who says, Buck, are we going to get Julio or not? Yes is the answer to your question. Next question. Oh, no, it's still up in the air. <laughs> TBD. Uh, if Julio falls through and the Titans don't land him, well, that's already happened. Is there a market to bring in another receiver or has it dried up at that position? Because if the Titans don't get Julio, there's still a need. In my opinion, this is from Warner 08, unless they truly like the young core they brought in this past year. If, uh, if, if they hadn't have gotten Julio Jones, who would you guys have wanted? I mean, for someone that's available, I could pass on almost everybody, but possibly for another wide receiver to trade for, Jameson Crowder. Um, but he's not moving the needle. I mean, he makes your offense better than what it was, but it's he's still just a slot kind of guy who has a hard time staying healthy, uh, you know, here and there, but he would have familiarity in the offense because of his time with the Washington football team under Sean McVay. So ultimately, I think Jameson Crowder would have been the, I don't know, plan C, E or something for this team. Other than that, I think they would have just gone with what they got. I'm going to make this a lot more efficient. I'm just going to ask each of you a mailbag question instead of going around the room every time. So we'll go to Jay Neal 93. I forget which days you do the sessions pod. Lucky for you, it's today. So this may miss a mailbag, but I digress about Julio Jones. I don't think it's talked about enough if at all really, just how much this will help A.J. Brown. I don't mean on the field. I mean off the field. Picking Julio's brain, learning how he does his releases, run routes, double moves, tricks of the trade, etc., is something A.J. would carry with him his entire career, even if Julio was injured week one. Being in that locker room with him and learning from Julio would transform A.J. This is not a question. It turns out it's an opinion. So shout out to Jay Neal 93 AJ from an elite nuanced wide receiver standpoint. Also 10 out of 10 would not recommend staying at the Moxie hotel off Broadway during Memorial day weekend, blasting highway to hell from the house band at 4am. Isn't the most efficient way to relax, but a blast getting away to my favorite city. Anyway, keep on keeping on Mike, your thoughts. Um, I, I actually do agree with the premise that Julio Jones uh, working with Julio Jones will help AJ Brown. I, I think it is important that you probably couldn't have brought in just any star wide receiver to this group. Um, because I, I think the fact that AJ already kind of idolizes Julio Jones or not kind of idolizes him, the man has a picture of him in his locker. Um, the fact that he has that level of respect for him, I think he's going to follow him around like a puppy dog at camp and soak up every bit of knowledge that Julio Jones has. And Julio has a lot of knowledge. He's been doing this at the NFL level for 10 years. Um, and frankly, that's never something that uh, A.J. Brown's really gotten at the NFL level. I and mean, he hasn't needed it. 
he's succeeded in spite of not having really a, a mentor on the Titans roster. But Corey Davis was like two years older than him. And A.J. Brown surpassed Corey Davis's skill level almost as soon as he stepped on the field. Uh, Adam Humphreys was like the most tenured receiver in that room the last two years. And he, you know, obviously was hurt all the time and is a very different type of receiver. I do think this mattered for, for A.J. Brown as far as having somebody to learn from. I don't think he needed a ton of help, but this can't do anything but help him. It can't do anything but help the rest of those guys. And and I think about a guy like Des Fitzpatrick, what a phenomenal spot he gets thrown into now where he doesn't have any pressure on him from, from week one to to come in and produce right away. He gets to learn under Julio Jones and AJ Brown and learn how to compete, learn how to learn his craft. In addition to obviously Rob Moore and, and, you know, the, the offensive staff in general, but it, I think Julio is a tremendous leader. I think he's going to show these guys the right way. There's good videos out there, and I'll, I'll probably tweet some out tonight uh, of of Julio Jones kind of working with some of the Falcons receivers. You know, he he is on a limited practice schedule, or he was with with the Falcons. I'd imagine he definitely will be here, given the way Vrabel treats injuries and guys that you know have injury histories. Um, so he may not be practicing a whole lot, but he was out there and he was showing these guys, you know, giving them critiques on every rep, you know, and they were saying, Hey, Julio, watch this and, and let me know what you think. And he would give them specific feedback after they'd run their route. And, and, you know, Hey, you really need to get on top of this guy before you go into like, just things like that. And I, I think just, it's going to be like having another coach on the field. And it's a coach that everyone, when he speaks, everyone in that receiver room will listen and perk up because he's Julio Jones. He carries that kind of swagger with him. Lebowski thoughts on the Moxie hotel and highway to hell at 4 a.m. I mean, you can't go highway to hell at 4 a.m. Because by 2 a.m., if that's what you're playing at 4 a.m., by 2 a.m., your neighbors have already hated your guts anyway. So don't. that's an asshole move. Don't do that. <laughs> Boutique hotels, nice. I like what they're doing. All kinds of weird little stuff. Don't be the asshole on the roof at 4 a.m. blasting highway to hell. I would personally come out there and hit you with a skillet. <laughs> <laughs> cast iron iron? of course yeah absolutely a lodge cast iron skillet directly to the face the bucket list item for me (laughs) just uh hear the dong plays wagon wheel one time wagon wheel one more time (laughs) this bad boy is seasoned and it's coming up against that face (laughs) (laughs) see we played everybody's strengths here on the podcast ethan is a father congratulations ethan uh, I'm not sure if I missed the mailbag opportunity, but I'll drop this bad boy down and you can answer it whenever or not answer it at all because you're Buck Supreme and I'm just a loyal listener. Well, thank you, Ethan. With the addition of Ju- uh, <laughs> Julio, Julio Jones, the Titans are unquestionably the best offense in the entire history of the world. So let's look at the defensive side of the ball a little. Does having Julio and AJ to go against in training camp matter for guys like Fulton and Farley, who we expect to play a lot of man? If so, how much? If not, well, just ignore this question. Lebowski, would you like an ask actual football question or would you like to pass? I mean, I, I guess I have to answer that. And the only way I'm going to answer it is yes, because A, let me make it clear that out of this entire group, I'm the least knowledgeable person to answer this question. So thank you for throwing it my way. How could it not help? You're going up against a, a, a man who is, has more wide receiver experience than anybody else in that room combined. I, I would think it could only help. And based on the defense last year, take anything you can get to improve. Absolutely. It helps. And and the only thing that I would add to that is that, you know, Molden and Farley have to practice. And so do AJ and Julio have to practice because Julio right. Jones famously does not practice. And AJ is, uh, you know, currently rehabbing from two knee surgeries and Caleb Farley is rehabbing from back surgery. And I don't know what the hell's going on with Elijah Molden, but he sure as hell not practicing. So, you know, all of those things would have to come together for them to be able to, uh, what, what is it? Uh, what is the bullshit they feed us? Iron sharpens iron. Uh, that's with it's a lie. Look. It does not. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's like cast water, iron. water's wet. It's, it's not. It's cast not. iron, however, will get that thing exactly where it needs to be. Best you oh, can heat it up and swing 100%. it. 
I will say with as much uh, shit as Caleb Farley has talked already out there, he is going to get some smoke in, uh, in training camp. He's going to have to cover not only Julio Jones and AJ Brown from his own team, but when they go to Tampa, he's getting, he's getting a a face full of Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, uh, Chris Godwin, uh, that whole crew down there. He's, he's going to see a lot of, he's going to see more talent in training camp than he is probably the rest of the regular season. So uh, he's going to get baptism by fire in, in practice. Robert F. Pruitt will conclude today's mailbag. How bad will Todd Downing mess this up? Apparently, he was 32nd behind Gase and Dowell Loggins in 17. I don't think that's factually accurate, Zebo, but I'll go ahead and let you take that. <laughs> they were the 14th uh, ranked team in offensive DVOA in 2017. I wrote a whole article what to expect from Todd Downing. Not only that, Amari Cooper had 17 drops by the middle of the season in 2017. <laughs> Their whole team had 35 drops. They averaged 11 yards per drop. I mean, that is a lot of yardage on the table. They had an aging Marshawn Lynch. They had a broke back uh, Derek Carr. I mean, his back was shattered that year. I mean, that broke back mountain, Derek Carr, but just broke his back's broke. Don't no, keep it moving. Keep okay. it moving. Don't sink and then, it. Keep it moving. <laughs> And then on top of that, I mean, aging Marshawn Lynch, injuries everywhere. They had an old ass Michael Crabtree, I think, was still on the team. I mean, it was just a, it was just a crappy team. And I know everybody wants to look at 2016 Derek Carr and tw- that 2016 offense and think that the oh, the only thing that changed was the offensive coordinator. No, a lot of things changed. But the main problem down in Oakland at the time was Jack Del Rio and Mike Tice just buddying up and bullying Todd Downing to run their offense. That was not Todd Downing's offense. It is on record that that is a Mike Tice, Jack Del Rio offense. And so whatever happened in 2017 doesn't matter. It's 2021, people. We are in a new new millennia over here. You know, we're it's a, it's a new year. Julio work. Jones, you got them all. You got A.J. Brown. You got Derrick Henry. It doesn't fucking matter what happened in 2017 and that will conclude today's ad reads and the music city mailbag before any of us spiral down a hole darker than the one that we've just sunk ourselves into boys it's always a pleasure to see you to hang out with you to talk with you thank you for uh, brightening up the podcast and talking so that i can stop talking for just like five minutes because my voice physically can't handle anymore i'm you running sound out like you you sound like you pulled your voice out and flushed it down a toilet of whiskey and razor blades. <laughs> like, it doesn't sound. I love you, buddy. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, you know, the good news is I've only got five and a half hours of talking a day to do <laughs> through the end of the week. So it's only going to get better by the end. <laughs> by the end of it. Football and other F words is the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever it is you get your podcast. Read these gentlemen at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Very informative articles that will help you get through this dead period, even though it's not terribly dead because Julio Jones is a titan and everybody's naked in the streets. That will do it for us today. Thank you, boys. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate you, Buck. <laughs>